millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast, your weekly dose of talking about watching soccer on TV, online and apps. Coming up on episode 63, we discuss ESPN's coverage of the League Cup final, news about Fox Soccer match pass being dumped from the World Cup, UEFA announces new kickoff times for the Champions League, is a winter break coming to the Premier League, and new streaming providers are bringing soccer leagues to the United States. Plus, we have letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. Uh, my name is Christopher Harris, aka The Gaffer. I'm joined today by Kartik Krishnayer. And uh, how are things going for you, Martin? Uh, they're going well. Hectic week. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, back. I mean, so, so, so much going on, I'm, I'm sure, personally and, and in terms of work, but also in terms of football, uh, which is why we're all here to listen to this pod. But uh, lots of lots of matches and it's getting into that uh, busy end of the season where, I mean, there's trophies on the line, every match matters and uh, relegation battles and you name it. So let's start off, Kartik, by talking about what you've been watching. And let's start off uh, on Friday's games. Yeah, so the Mainz-Wolfsburg game was uh, Peter Drury and Nigel Spackman. Uh, Fox, you just never know when this is going to happen very randomly. Uh, generally on Friday night games, uh, take the BT feed every now and then. Uh, it was uh, an entertaining game to a point. Two teams fighting relegation. Uh, Hamburg, Hamburg and Cologne appear to have been cut adrift, but Cologne has been playing better of late. So maybe these two teams both stay up. But it was, uh, it was a good match in patches, and other times it wasn't... Uh, wasn't so great, um, but again, if Fox, I think, has an inconsistency. Obviously, they have they have options on what they do in terms of their match broadcasts, whether they use their own uh, talent in Los Angeles for voiceovers, whether they take the global feed, the world feed, or whether they take the BT sport feed coming from the UK. Uh, the international feed comes from the UK as well, actually. Uh, do, and in this case, they've taken the BT feed. There doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to what they do with this. Yeah, the the interesting thing about the BT Sport feed is that on that match I talked about in last week's podcast, which was the uh, Frankfurt game against uh, RB uh, RB Leipzig on the Monday game. What they it was the BT Sports announcers, and with the match being delayed for five minutes, and with you mean. Uh, tennis balls raining down on the pitch and uh, all the things that were happening with the protests. Uh, the commentator said, okay, well, uh, we're going to take a break and we'll be back in five minutes, and, which which I'm sure caught Fox Sports off guard because they, they weren't breaking. And I think it was Christy Miles stepped in and said, okay, well, and he just talked for five minutes until the BT Sport announcers came back. Now, to me personally, the level of BT Sports commentators is, is, is great. I mean, oftentimes you get... Uh, you mean Owen Hargreaves, you get uh, Derek Ray at times, uh, you've got uh, Peter Drury, and you've got some really good... Steve Bauer, who Steve... we're familiar with. Exactly. So, this, so the level is, is good. So so it's probably better, uh, I mean, when they do that, instead of having maybe the wool feed. But actually, even with the wool feed, too, I think a lot of our hardcore Bundesliga listeners uh, are missing the, the world feed uh, announcers because there are some good ones on that one too. So I guess I guess with Fox, it's probably just based on... Um, it's Mines against Wolfsburg, so it's not the biggest game. So probably not a lot of people tuning into that. And, and who knows with uh, Keith Costigan uh, and, and his travel schedules, uh, commentating for Seattle, Se- Sounders, and maybe he's meeting with Seattle. I'm not, I'm not sure. But um, 
yeah, no rhyme or, or, or reason, but uh, but anyway, there were just interesting things to point out from from that in terms of the commentating. The match itself was okay. It was to me kind of a very scrappy game. Um, it was watchable, definitely, but but very scrappy. Yeah, so obviously the next day we had uh, Lester Stoke on uh, on uh, NBCSN thing in the morning uh, was a I guess a good point for Stoke uh, Lester. Uh, Probably should have taken all three points, but uh, a situation where Stoke is just trying to claw and get get results. Uh, watched a little bit of the Liverpool match; they looked rampant, and then uh, went to a college basketball game. Went to the Miami Boston College game, so missed uh, missed Everton, Watford, and uh, won another loss for Watford. I know there's a lot of uh, hand wringing among. Uh, uh, sorry, another loss for Everton. A lot of hand wringing wringing about around Everton fans regarding Allardyce. Now, a lot of Everton fans, I have to, those who may not remember this, a lot of Everton fans used to complain about the style under David Moyes, even though they were finishing fifth, sixth, or seventh in the league every year. So they were already a little bit snobbish when it comes to that. And then to have on top of it, the results be what they've been the last month and a half. I, I, I wonder if Sam's going to survive past this season. I, yeah, I, I think definitely not. I, I think he's gone this summer. I mean, I mean, to me, it's one of those things that uh, Everton really made a, a wrong decision at the wrong time. I mean, they were scrambling. They were thinking that they were going to get in a relegation battle. And uh, they said, okay, who's the best person to get us out of this mess? And it was Sam Allardyce. And uh, before, was it before he even uh, managed his first game, Everton had won a game and that pushed him up the table a little bit. So as soon as he started... They seem to be okay in a relatively safe, safe uh, number of points. Um, I mean, you, you never know. You mean, but but still, I, I think they made the wrong wrong decision to actually to scramble, kind of a, a last minute uh, getting him. And now this season, though, Big Sam seems to be even more negative than he normally is uh, in terms of you mean being very defensive minded, um, not looking. You mean not playing an attacking game at all. And uh, it's got to be a miserable season for Everton fans, knowing all the signings that they got over the summer, how things went south, and then bringing in Big Sam to keep them up. And of course, they're, they're going to stay up this season, but it's it's not a very pleasant journey. They remind me. A, they remind me a lot of Man City under Mark Hughes. Money had yeah. just come in. There's a mishmash of signings, of overpaying for guys. I mean, they absolutely overpaid for class, and they absolutely overpaid for. Uh, uh, maybe not for Sandra Ramirez, although any paying anything for him at this point was overpaying for him. Uh, they certainly are, are overpaid for Sigurdsson. And uh, that, I think, has allowed Swansea to go out and get some guys and bring IU back to the club, uh, do some things that, that might keep Swansea in the league. Uh, they have that feel of a, of, of a club that's adrift, that uh, had a lot of money uh, pumped in, had an aging squad, and... Um, just started making vanity purchases, right? Yeah. Uh, in addition to the money that they got from Lukaku. Uh, and then on the Watford side of this, Javi Gracia um, has gotten a couple of results and gotten Watford out of trouble for now. He's a resourceful manager. I, I watched him at Malaga. I thought he got a kind of a raw deal there. Um, they weren't progressing, but they certainly weren't. Uh, they finished in the top half both seasons he was there. So maybe, maybe, We'll have the first time since they've been promoted, and actually, including the season they got promoted, uh, they, they sacked their manager. Uh, maybe for the first time in four or five years, Watford will hold a manager over the summer. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, yeah. With them, you never know. Uh, on Saturday, I watched uh, Leicester Stoke, um, mm -hmm. similar to you, Kartik. I, I thought this was very, very reminiscent of the, the Mines Wolfsburg game from the Friday. Very, very scrappy. Kind of a, a for, for Stoke especially, kind of a relegation battle, and um, I still can't believe that Charlie Adams still playing uh, in the Premier League. Uh, just, just a sad state there for, for Stoke fans. Brighton against Swansea. Brighton looks extremely well organised. Uh, Swansea uh, set up with the wrong game plan and just got completely demolished in this game. Uh, Barcelona, uh, Girona watched this game and uh, an amazing strike uh, by Coutinho, his first uh, league goal uh, for Barcelona. And uh, he's been trying to get this goal for a few weeks now, kind of you know, his typical uh, long range curler into the far post. And uh, he's hitting the crossbar and I think the post a couple of times and he finally got, got his goal. And then uh, on to Sunday, Kartik. Yeah, actually, Saturday's not done for me. I watched okay. it. The Tigres Monarchas game uh, on Univision Deportes. Uh, Tigres is so good to watch if you're uh, if you're 
tolerant of, of, of Liga Mekis football. And uh, them and Monterey. Now, this is the thing that's become very interesting. Uh, I think in this era, there's been more investment in the northern part of the country, in, in Monterey specifically. And what you're seeing is those two clubs really kind of emerge as elite clubs in, in, in Mexico and challenge or, or surpass the clubs from Mexico City, uh, Cruz Azul, uh, Club America and others, and then as well as uh, uh, Chivas, Guadalajara, and Atlas. Atlas has been terrible lately. So uh, Monterey is the center of, of, of Mexican football, North American football, uh, CONCACAF now, right now in terms of, of quality. So Tigres, uh, they won that match 2-1 uh, as usual, enjoyable. I have now kind of adopted, I, I'm not supporting a club, but it, it's one of these things where I see Tigres is playing on a Saturday night. I think, yeah, you know what, I'm going to watch the match. It's going to be worth my time, and, and this certainly was uh, second or third successive week, I've watched them on the bounce and, and really enjoyed it. Yeah, and Tigres will uh, be playing Toronto FC, I believe, in the next round of the Conquer yeah. Half Champions League. So that, that'll be a watchable game. Epic. Sure. That will be epic. Those, those might be the two top teams, two of the three top teams in this region, Monterey being obviously the other one. Uh, so Sunday morning, Palace Spurs. Um, Boy, I, I think Roy Hodgson did such a good job when he took over Palace, but now it's getting stale and they have uh, a real issue in terms of uh, injuries. Uh, maybe they'll get Loftus-Cheek back this week. Maybe they'll get a couple of other guys back. Uh, otherwise, they, they're getting gradually sucked into this relegation fight. Chelsea, Man United, it was um, interesting to see Peter Drury and the team for NBC really kind of dissect the way Mourinho uh, uh, set up his team in this match, they um, they tried to put a formation together to um, to give Pogba more time and space on the ball. We saw it happen once in the first half, uh, and Conte took a yellow card on that. Other than that, that formation didn't work. But as the match went on, McTominay playing in what would normally be the Pogba position, right, mm-hmm. uh, really kind of asserted himself on the match. And uh, Chelsea had a uh, had a certain um, certain degree of um, of um, just quitting them for for lack of a better term. Uh, although, again, uh, the, the the controversy about not having VAR came up because uh, there was a goal by Morata that uh, he looked on side for. But I think it's you and I, and I don't know if we're going to discuss it more in this show. It, it, I'm getting tired of it, right? We discuss it every week. But uh, VAR is a no-go. Actually, since we mentioned college basketball a few minutes ago, I will mention there were three separate college basketball games this week where uh, they went to the replays, Florida-Auburn, Virginia Tech, Duke, and there was a third game that I'm blanking out on now, which I was watching where they went to the monitors inside a minute, took a lot of time, stifled the momentum in the game. In fact, the announcers in one of the games said, boy, this just kills the air in this match, this uh, this game. It's taking too long because you like to see bang, bang uh, in basketball like soccer. The end of the North Carolina-Miami game, which I think everyone's seen now from the other night where North Carolina hits the basket. Miami doesn't take a timeout, hits the basket, wins. Um, they got the calls wrong after the replays. Right? So uh, it's just like it's like this in every sport. And in soccer, uh, we're seeing problem after problem. So um, that that's the issue, yeah. um, I, I think. Well, um, yeah. But for Chelsea, though, Morata w- w- was on side. So that goal yeah. should have stayed. You mean it should have counted? Oh, would VAR have sorted it? I mean, we don't know. You would think so. You would think so. But but then again, you don't know. I mean, it's all down to the... Uh, the VAR, the actual the team of people that are actually reviewing that video, you would think so. But um, yeah, to me, to me, this match was it was not typical Man United, but but definitely kind of more defensive. Uh, I, I wasn't expecting this one to be kind of a three three game or four four game. I, I kind of expected it to be a very close match. And the Chelsea Man United matches, especially with uh, Mourinho involved uh, for either team. As have always seemed to be really kind of very tense affairs, and I enjoyed watching it, but it it, it wasn't the greatest one uh, for sure. Now, Kartik, the greatest one? Well, not really, but this one for Manchester City fans must have been a, a really comfortable uh, victory in the uh, the League Cup final against Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, correct, but it was a um, it was a difficult one in terms of. Um, the broadcast. First off, the first 15, 20 minutes of the broadcast it looked like a web stream that they were trying to put on television. The, the, the technical quality wasn't there for me. Uh, 
maybe not, maybe other people didn't experience this, but I tried it on two different televisions, uh, uh, both HD TVs, both that looked like a web uh, webcast that had been blown up to full screen. I think, uh, yeah, there was a couple other people that mentioned this too on, on, on Twitter and on our Twitter account. And uh, for me, I was watching it on a laptop, so I didn't notice it, but there were definitely some people that were watching it on HD television, so they were freaking out. But uh, yeah, it looks like they, they, they must have screwed it up um, for that beginning, beginning of the broadcast. Yeah, so they finally fixed that, but then we get constant promotion of Major League Soccer during the game. And I and I think at some point, had Craig Burley been left to his own devices, which I have to assume he wasn't, he would have said, this is just part of the paranoia and insecurity of American soccer fans. That we, we've got a 90-minute cup final coming from another country, and we're spending 45 minutes of it seemingly. Now, that's a figurative thing, right? Yeah. Really probably all told about five minutes or 10 minutes talking about MLS. And halftime, there was an MLS preview. This coincides sided with the uh, unveiling of MLS's new hashtag, um, Our Soccer, which um, I've already commented plenty on Twitter on it. I think everybody knows my opinions on it. Well, so, well let's, let's dive a little bit into that, Karthik. So, so, so to me, I, I felt sorry a little bit for uh, Mark Donaldson and uh, Craig Burley because obviously they're given a script and, and they're told, okay, you got to read this thing out um, five or six times, seven or eight times, however many times it was uh, during the broadcast. And uh, you could tell, you know, it was a, a script that they had to read. It was overkill. And, and, and that's the thing, even with Fox's broadcast of the Champions League, it, it turns into, I mean, Major League Soccer is the most heavily promoted league in the United States by far. You've got Univision, you've got Fox, you've got... Um, I mean, not NBC, but uh, ESPN. Uh, let, let me just uh, jump in, Chris, and tell you, I've been watching a lot of college basketball the last week. They have promoted MLS during every single college basketball game I've watched. That Miami-North Carolina game I mentioned, that Duke-Virginia Tech game, that Florida-Auburn game, the Kentucky-Mississippi game last night, the Florida State-Clemson uh, game last night. Every single game, there's an MLS's back thing on the scroll during their ticker, not when they're showing other news, and their MLS commercials running. So right. people have complained in the past to us that, oh, well, uh, they don't promote MLS the way they promote uh, foreign uh, soccer properties. That is complete bonk. Yeah. Oh, I'm so frustrated to hear that. Well, go ahead. Well, the good news for Major League Soccer is that uh, the season starts this weekend. So based on the games that are being played in primetime and on ESPN, on FS1, I mean, these must be must be going to have like, major TV ratings for, for these games based on how, how they've been promoted. Uh, of course, I'm being sarcastic, but it, it's, it, it is, I mean, during a League Cup final, I understand maybe a couple of times, maybe during the broadcast, just to remind people, hey, don't forget this weekend, ESPN has the MLS uh, new season kicking off. But it was just, it was too much, way too much. And it, it interrupted the flow of the game. Um this one in particular was was very one sided, Kartik, in this game. So, uh, it, it, you mean if it was a, you, just imagine kind of a really end to end action game, kind of a a four three th- thriller, and Mark and Craig were having to figure out ways to slot those those uh, those reads in for Major League Soccer. That would have been worse. Um, yeah. it, it is what it is. I, I thought Mark Donaldson and, and Craig Burley did pretty well as uh, commentating this game. The, the the challenge is really, I mean, I mean for ESPN. I don't think they were planning on broadcasting this game at all. I mean, originally, I mean, almost every single League Cup game this entire season has been on ESPN3. Uh, we had, I think, one of the semifinals was on uh, ESPN or ESPN2. And up until about a week before this this final, uh, it wasn't going to be on television for ESPN. It was going to be on ESPN Deportes. So it was a last-minute decision. And uh, so there was a lot of people complaining that there was no... Uh, pre-game and kind of a really kind of robust halftime show or post-game. It, it was really last minute. So I would say hats off to ESPN for deciding to go ahead and put it on television and give us the opportunity to, to see it uh, within English lang- language commentators. Um, but um, I don't know. I, I guess the negative would have been just just the over-promotion of, of Major League Soccer. But um, I, yeah, and the hour soccer thing, the, the hashtag, uh I don't think it's even worth talking about, Kartik. I, I know for, for listeners who haven't had a chance to look at your Twitter feed, actually, I, I would encourage them, if they are interested or intrigued, go ahead and check uh, Kartik's uh, Twitter feed because it goes into a lot of detail and, and kind of a lot of discussion about it. And um, it is very d- divisive, I think, in terms of a hashtag or an ad campaign. Um, that's all I'm going to say about it. 
Yeah, um, I, I, I agree. So Monday we had uh, the Dortmund uh, match, and much like the previous week, we had a lot of uh, a lot of protests, right, for the Monday night thing, and 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 it. Relatively speaking, of the Wolf Stadion, a place that is always filled, has arguably the best atmosphere in Western Europe or in a big five European league of any club in in in, in, uh, in a big league, or at least the big clubs, right? Uh, stale, empty protests. This Monday night thing, I don't think is going to work in Germany, uh, unless. Now, I find it kind of interesting that for whatever reason, the Bundesliga gave Eintracht and. Uh, and Dortmund home matches because those are, <laughs> if you talk to any German fan, those are two of maybe the four or five most ruckus like fan bases. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I, maybe, maybe they intended for this to happen. It's like they're self-sabotage. I, I don't know because yeah. uh, it, it just looks very bad. Yeah. And, and then, and Alexi Lawless and Ian joy were very good. Give them credit coming in. They knew what was at stake, what was important uh, in talking about this match. Lawless was more interested in talking about the fan protests and the match itself, which uh, I think is correct. I think that that was the right, right narrative. Uh, and uh, they, uh, credit to Fox. I think they, they didn't try and shy away from it. It's a rights holder. So to be honest, uh, I give them credit. To be honest though, Kartik, I was a little bit disappointed with uh, Dortmund fans. I mean, yes, there were a lot of empty seats, but comparing that to last week's uh, Frankfurt game and uh, you mean the, 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 the banner along the touchline, the, almost the entire touchline, uh, the delay of the game, the boos and whistles for, for minute one all the way through till minute 90, the tennis balls, the streamers. It was very, very uh, a, a huge protest. And the, the, the Dortmund, I mean, they had the banners up, but the banners with the red and black, uh, red and yellow, I'm sorry, uh, really blended into the rest of the, the flags. And, and there were a lot of... Um, I don't know if there were fans or just uh, ball boys or whatever standing in front of a, a lot of the banners. So you couldn't even read what the banners said. Uh, I, was, I was actually disappointed because I thought it would be more militant. I thought it would, would be more uh, not, not, not vocal, really, and visual from Dortmund fans in the protest about the Yeah, Mon- that's a good point because I think maybe Lawless and and uh, Joy were anticipating that because it was Dortmund. So they spent most of the pregame talking about the pro. I wouldn't say most of the pregame, but their most animated segments in the pregame, at least from Wallace was about uh, the protests. And uh, he was on Twitter engaging with me among others about, Hey, what, what do you think? You, you think this is going to stop the Bundesliga? Uh, then you're right. It was less, uh, less animated, maybe as vocal in the sense that there were 20 something thousand empty seats, which you never see at that ground. But, uh, right less militant in the way they executed it than, than Eintracht fans had been the previous week. That's, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, because I was, I was watching it. I, and actually, I said this about the Frankfurt game. It, it, it made me watch the game because I was watching it, watching the football, but also watching what would happen. And with the Dortmund game against Augsburg, to me, it was a bit of a snoozer of a game. It was uh, typical Dortmund this season, you mean, very uh, ineffective. You mean, just... just um, I mean, just, I don't know, just, just, they're not the same Dortmund that they used to be by any means. And Pulisic is having, having a bad season too. So it's, uh, yeah, it wasn't the greatest game either. But um, yeah, I, I wish that uh, Alexi Lalas and Gian Joy had been there for the Frankfurt uh, RB Leipzig game the week before, because that was the one that Christian Miles was just doing the voiceovers for. And he had no idea what was going on uh, and was caught blindsided on that one. So um, at least they're, they're addressing the issue now um, a week later. Yeah, this week they were prepared, but you're right. They were caught flat-footed the week before, even though it had been well known this was going to happen or something was going to happen. Right, right, exactly. And, and I'm sure with Christian Miles, uh, it probably was just one of those things like, hey, you're scheduled to do this game. All you have to do is just the voiceover, you mean, before the game starts and at halftime and uh, post-match. And it's an easy job. Come in you know, half an hour before the game starts, you're, you're all set. Um, and probably didn't do the research to see what was actually going on uh, in terms of uh, all, all the, the planned protests that they, they yeah. were planning on doing. Quite frankly, I should, match, uh, I should mention that the match was probably the worst match I've seen from Dortmund since Stoger took over. So uh, not really uh, anything entertaining or to write home about. Right. Uh, but we're not talking about the match anyway. We're talking about the protest. So I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah. 
Tuesday, Tuesday and Wednesday, watch the uh, FA Cup games, the replays. Uh, Tuesday was um, not a very exciting game by any means. Uh, Swansea against Sheffield Wednesday, but uh, Swansea did what they did. For, for me, Kartik, actually, it's interesting because uh, I became a Swansea fan probably in 1977. And uh, even back then, as a, as a, a kid, uh, you know, everyone was talking about the 1964 semifinal that Swansea had gone to and, and uh, had lost in. And um, back then, it, it was always kind of folklore and just, I mean, people knew about it and they would talk about it. And here we are, what, 2018, and Swansea have now uh, made it into the, um, uh, the quarterfinals. Actually, quarterfinals, no, semifinals, sorry. Um, with uh, with Spurs, well, actually, uh, quarterfinals, well, quarterfinals, quarterfinals, quarterfinals yeah. thank you, and now have a chance to go ahead and actually make it back into the semifinals if they can get past uh, Spurs. So it would be the first time in what sixty since nineteen sixty four they have had a chance to get. It, 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 is it worth it? Do you want that backlog? Well, okay. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I think actually for me, for me, it's it's been it's been better for Swansea because they've actually had a chance to try out some different formations, try out some different players and get more match practice time. Um, they haven't picked up, um, well, actually, so, so I was going to say they haven't picked up any injuries. They have picked up injuries, but it was um, to two players that are, are replaceable. But for, for me, though, too, actually having the match practice, having those extra games has actually been more beneficial. And, um, and actually, for the most part, when Swansea's played midweek and played in the FA Cup, uh, they've actually played better in the next game after that in the Premier League. So I'm 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 okay with that's having true. these extra games. Uh, of course, if they get relegated, then that's I, even if they get relegated. I think I think it's it's. I mean, for me, it's Swansea's had such a a poor history with the FA Cup. Uh, to me, it's I'd rather stay up than get uh, than than lose an FA Cup final or win an FA Cup final. But uh, I'm I'm okay with them uh, progressing through as as they are. Now that's probably not not the, uh, the the belief of a lot of people out there, but um, and then the Spurs Rochdale game, uh, Kartik. I missed the first half, so I missed all the VAR controversy. I saw the second half, and um, so I, so I watched the game. I, I love watching games when uh, when it, when it's snowing and just seeing. I mean, it's just a, a great spectacle to watch on television. Now, if I was at the stadium or playing in a game, I'm sure I'd think it's a completely different story. I would probably hate it. But uh, for me, I, I just have a—I just love watching games when it's snowing, and it's been such a long time since I've seen one with such a heavy uh, snowfall as this one. Did you get a chance to watch this one, Kartik? Yeah, I only saw portions of it uh, in the first half. I was in my office and uh, saw Rochdale hit the post. It was uh, interesting to see Spurs, at least in that first half, have so much trouble breaking Rochdale's press when they pressed high. And then there was also the VAR controversies, which, again, I, I'm just frustrated. I don't want to get into it. I, I've said my piece. We've given it a chance. I think, uh, I think it's... Uh, I think it's a problem for the sport, and um, I, I know there are these people who say, "Well, you'll get if you can change any call. If you get one more call correct than you would otherwise." Now, I don't agree with that, and in fact, there are people I talk to who say part of the beauty of football is the controversy and the talking points we get from the controversy. If you're only going to be able to correct a few calls and not all calls that are potentially incorrect, then what's the point? Yeah, I think it's uh, we're not ready. We're not ready by any means, and it's one of those things that uh, I'm sure a lot of the people that were pushing for video technology uh, probably couldn't envision what's happening right now, where it just seems that um, it's been overused, and even when it's being used, it's taking too long to make the decision, and oftentimes it's not the correct decision. So it's 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 still in, in its early stages. I can see it at a point working and and being more beneficial to the game, but. The, I mean, whether it's the FA or the Premier League or, you mean, all these different leagues are doing it differently. But FIFA, need, FIFA or somebody needs to step in and say, OK, this is exactly the way that we're going to use it. We're going to use, only use it for these types of calls. And um, and it might mean changing some of the rules a little bit, especially with the offside rule, rather than it coming down to millimeters that, that there needs to be a you mean kind of a distance between the two players for uh, him or her to be offside or there's, there's a lot of things that are going to change the way that uh, football should be officiated if you have this technology in place and, and we're not there yet. 
All right, Karthik, uh, we have a new sponsor of the World Soccer Talk podcast that I'm excited to share with you, and that's a company called Away Days, which is a small and independent clothing brand based out of Boston. Away Days creates unique, beautifully designed soccer t-shirts. One of their most intriguing products is called Mystery Kits. For $25, you pick your jersey size and you receive a mystery one. All of these are official club jerseys from all over the world. They could be a few years old, but they are all 100% new and authentic. Away Days only features unique teams from different countries. So, for example, if you are a Arsenal fan, you wouldn't want a Tottenham jersey, but you probably wouldn't mind a Swedish club's jersey. Some customers have used this to get started following teams that they've never heard of, and it helps them learn about how the game is played in other smaller countries and leagues from around the world. It's a cheap way to get most uh, to get some more jerseys, and it's a way to get jerseys of teams you wouldn't normally be able to get from big websites or stores. And for World Soccer Talk podcast listeners, you get a special 15% discount on the entire site. Just go to awaydaysfootball.com and enter promo code WORLDSOCCER at checkout. Again, that's awaydaysfootball.com. Check them out. All right, Kartik, let's move on to TV streaming news. Yeah, ESPN's coverage of the 2018 MLS season kicks off on Sunday, March 4th, with Seattle against LA Galaxy uh, from Seattle. Uh, Bank of California Stadium is almost ready, uh, but the first six uh, match days, uh, the the it's not LA Galaxy by the way, it's LAFC. So excuse, uh, sorry for that. Uh, against the against LAFC, LAFC uh, will be playing their first six away uh, matches away. Uh, that's at ES on ESPN and ESPN Deportes at 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, 28 of the 31 regular season matches will air on ESPN. The remaining three will be on ESPN FC, which is a, a, a excuse, excuse me on ESPN two, which is a great commitment to the um to, to, to the league to show most of the games on the primary channel. Uh, exactly the same number as 2017, except that ESPN also has the all-star game that rotates uh, back and forth. As of the recording of this podcast on Thursday morning, Eastern time, uh, Fox and Univision still have not announced their TV plans for the 2018 season. Uh, Chris, I, I think it'll be a good ratings day. They promoted it so heavily ESPN and uh, Seattle against LAFC, I think will intrigue a lot of people because it's uh one, it's Seattle, who draws better on television anyway. And two, it's the new club, LAFC, that everybody is excited about. Yeah, I'm not sold on this, Kartik. I, I mean, I, I will I will definitely try to watch these games. Um, I'm not going to go out of my way to watch them. So so for me personally, I will, if, if you mean, if I'm not doing anything, I'll watch the games, but I'm not going to rush out there and watch it. Uh, I'll, I'll give it a chance and see how it goes. I, I get the challenge for me, Kartik, and I don't know if it's the same for you, but the challenge for me is that I have no local MLS team, so there's very little reason for me to tune in and watch these games when there's no local relevance. So I, I'm sure it's the same for a lot of listeners too that don't have a local MLS team. And even if they do, there's probably the same challenge too, is, is that why should we watch this league if uh, – these matches re- relatively are meaningless until what July or August when the play- yeah that's what I mean I'll tell you just from talking to the people in Orlando even though they do have an MLS team there they don't think watching other games matters until August or September because there's no relevance to it particularly if it's a Western Conference matchup why would they care yeah and I have nothing against Major League Soccer I, I will watch these games if I've got nothing else going on on Sunday. Um, I'm just curious to see what the reaction is going to be to Major League Soccer this season, especially, especially with the U.S. men's national team uh, getting crashing out of the uh, the World Cup with mostly an MLS team uh, managed by an MLS coach. I think there is going to be some backlash. I just don't know how much there will be. And I guess on Sunday we'll see with those TV ratings and see what how those uh, numbers come out. And I'm sure we'll talk about those on the next podcast. All right, Kartik, the, the, FA, uh, the FIFA uh, World Cup has been removed off of Fox Soccer Match Pass. Now, last week, there was a uh, press release that went out to announce the, the streaming and, and TV schedule uh, from Fox, uh, which was that every single game was going to be streamed on Fox Soccer Match Pass. Uh, the bad news is, is that um, uh, Fox Soccer Match Pass has now been removed from that. Uh, there's been no, no explanation yet from uh, Fox Soccer Match Pass or Fox Sports why this decision was reached. 
Uh, what we do know is that the games will be on Fox Sports Go, uh, which does require a cable or, or satellite subscription uh, or, or another provider to authenticate your login. Uh, also, some of the games will be on foxsports.com. The foxsports.com right now, we don't know uh, whether it's going to be behind a, any type of uh, authentication, any kind of uh, paywall. Uh, very little details, but what we do know is Fox Soccer Match Pass will not be showing these games. So uh, there will be other options out there for uh, cord cutters, uh, including Sling TV, Fubo TV, Direct TV Now, and others. According to the Guardian, it's understood that a Premier League winter break is a step closer to being agreed after the FA, the Premier League, the, and the Football League reached a provisional agreement to play the FA Cup fifth round in midweek from the 2019-2020 season. Accommodating a winter break would mean breaking the long-standing FA Cup tradition of weekend ties to allow all Premier League clubs and their players to have at least 13 days without a match during the beginning of February every year now. This this break actually kind of already is there for teams that get eliminated from the FA Cup early. By the way, it's a it's a, we're talking about fifth round. We're not talking about in the middle of December or, or late December, just so people know. The FA has still yet to give final approval on the move. If so, it'll start with the 2019-2020 season, which is when the new television packages kick in. And, yeah, and this also talks about uh, possibly scrapping the FA Cup fifth round replays, and uh, and you mean if if the game ends uh, as a tie, going into extra time, uh, and and then penalty kicks. But um, we've talked about this one before, Kartik. My my concern is is that um, the these clubs that will have a, a two week break uh, will go just go ahead and use that time to go ahead and play uh, friendlies overseas, probably in the United States. Uh, or you mean the Middle East or, or, or Africa or whoever, wherever else. Um, in theory, it's a good idea. Uh, I'd like to see what happens actually when this thing happens, uh, even takes off, and if clubs are actually going to give their players a two-week break. And oh, I'm almost convinced they'll go and play friendly somewhere. So there are managers that historically have done that. David Moyes, if his teams are out of the FA Cup, has always taken his team to Dubai or to Spain or uh, Mark Hughes brought his team here to the United States once. Yeah, Alex Ferguson's done it before too when they yeah. had uh, breaks. Well, not breaks, but kind of, you mean, whether it's... You, you get eliminated from the FA Cup early. Right. Yeah. So as, as of now, if you get eliminated from the FA Cup early, there is a bit of a break there already for, for not necessarily for football league clubs, but for Premier League clubs. Right. And, and that's the important thing to add to you, Kartik, is that for this, uh, if this winter break does go ahead, uh, it's only for Premier League clubs. So it won't um, impact the championship or League One or League Two in England. So those will continue to play on. Uh, it's just the uh, the Premier League. So I don't know. It's um, I don't know. We have to wait and see what happens on this one. Um, in theory, it's a good idea. But in practice, I, I don't think it's going to be. All right. So according to a new article in a magazine called DigiDay, Premier League executives will uh, be looking very closely at the potential of Amazon acquiring the UK rights to the final two packages that are available for the uh, for the was it the 2019-20 uh, season onwards uh, in the UK. Reason being is that the Premier League are considering setting up their own streaming service. I know this is um, something that uh, I haven't heard much much about. So actually, it's interesting that we found this uh, story. So, so the article does say that uh, with Amazon as one of the league's broadcasters, or potentially, uh, football chiefs can monitor from afar how fans watch games uh, in prime before just deciding on how and where to show matches via its own channel, uh, said one executive with knowledge of the league's digital strategy. If it looks like it's, uh, live streaming is, works in any way, then that's going to be a concern for TV broadcasters, said the executive. Which it is going to be a concern because most of the revenue that uh, the Premier League gets is from television. And I'm sure it's, this would be kind of an in-between if Amazon does pick up some of these rights uh, in the streaming to see how that is received. See in terms of the number of signups and also in terms of how illegal streaming is impacting that. And whether the Premier League could at some point in the future go ahead and then just have a, a direct-to-consumer package that would have you know, all of the games available uh, digitally uh, for anyone around the world and uh, figuring out what the price point is for that and figuring out whether they could generate more money that way than going through the TV um, side of things. But any thoughts on this one, Kartik? Do you think this, this could be uh, this could work? 
I suppose. I mean, I think you're making your your bet now that Amazon is going to be a player, uh, maybe for the main packages and maybe globally in the future. So it's just the foot in the door type thing and, and, and testing out a new medium. Yeah, and I think it's it is one of those things that. Uh I think they just have to kind of watch and see what happens and, and then learn from that. And uh, it could be that it's, we're not ready for that yet in terms of, you mean, especially for the, from the Premier League's point of view with illegal streaming, if it is so rampant, uh, now is not the time or in, in the near future is not the time to go ahead and launch a product that could uh, be cannibalized by illegal streaming. But um, yeah, it'd be one to keep an eye out for sure. Uh, Moving on, Fox, Telemundo, and U.S. soccer will be concerned this week after a report that the 2026 World Cup uh, won't be a slam dunk, a dunk, a win for the U.S., Mexico, and Canada. Morocco could be the favorite as things stand now. That was from Sam Borden in in ESPN. Uh, The foreign press also have been particularly outraged at the TV bonuses promised by Fox and Telemundo to FIFA if the 2026 uh, t- 2026 World Cup is uh, awarded to the U.S., Mexico, Canada, to that uh, uh, group of three countries. Uh, the Daily Mail had an article on this that broke Sunday night, uh, Sunday night UK time, Sunday afternoon U.S. times, shortly after that League Cup final uh, finished. And uh, it's been uh, a topic of a lot of conversation. I, I, let me let me just interject something that I put on Twitter here, Chris. Uh, I, I think this is the most appropriate place. Those in the U.S. who assume that Morocco is some fly-by-night thing. They have bid seriously for World Cups before and have perhaps, uh, you know, based on who you believe and what reports you believe, perhaps did not been denied World Cup hosting rights because of the corruption of the other bidders. Uh, so there is a sense, I think, among some people that they might be owed a World Cup after all this corruption was on uh, uh, the lid has been blown off of FIFA corruption. Uh but as I said, they've been close to hosting two or three times in the past. Uh, and, uh, and then for those who say, well, South Africa just hosted, so it's going back to Africa. Well, no, but then to compare sub-Saharan Africa to North Africa, is, uh, it's a different world entirely. So it seems like a very FIFA thing to do, though, too, in, in terms of awarding this to Morocco. Uh, so for everyone that thought, I mean, for a long time, everyone's been saying like it's a slam dunk for the U.S. to win this. It's just, uh, I mean, all the, the stadiums, the tramp- transportation systems and everything set up uh, to go ahead and have this uh, World Cup in 2026 uh, launched immediately with I mean, relatively little expense. I mean, <laughs> then you look at all the other countries, whether it's Brazil or South Africa or Russia and all the, the millions uh, that, that those governments are spending to build and, and change the, the infrastructures and stadiums. Um, with Morocco, I can easily see them winning it. And um, I'm, I'm not so concerned about these these millions of dollars that have been promised by Fox and Telemundo uh, to FIFA uh, as bonuses if they do get the uh, 2026 World Cup. Um, but um, I, I, as the foreign press is outraged by this, but I can see how it would sway FIFA's decision. And, and actually, if anything, it could... Uh, come back to haunt um, US, Mexico and, and Canada where it actually could hurt them in the long run, uh, especially when it becomes when there's so much uh, scrutiny on the awarding of the, the next World Cup, which is going to be an- announced on June 13th. Well, look, I know people in soccer because it, it fills the coffers and gives people jobs want to host a World Cup. But we've seen the tr- problems that are left by hosting these sorts of events. Uh, so long as the U.S. can qualify, and I think they'll qualify for a 48-team World Cup uh, without much difficulty. I, I, I'm not sure that hosting is necessarily the best thing. Now, for Canada, it's critical, right? Canada is trying to establish the sport in that country and create a framework for a professional structure, an independent professional structure, independent of, of, of uh, the U.S. infrastructure. I can understand their urgency around it. But uh, I, I've back, I go back and forth on whether I want the U.S. to host or not, because I think that it, it ends up causing a lot of damage. You build stadiums, you do a lot, you lay a lot of infrastructure, you spend a lot of, um, you spend a lot of money from the public standpoint that I don't think our municipalities and our state governments can afford to spend at this point. Uh, this isn't the 1980s or 1990s anymore. The, the, the budget realities have changed in this country. But that's that's a conversation for another day. 
Well, well, let me just dive in a little bit on this one, Kartik. In my lifetime, living in the United States, and I moved here in 84 and I've been here ever since, uh, the biggest soccer spectacle, the biggest uh, event that's ever happened that's helped uh, really uh, the, the United States, uh, the soccer in the United States, was the 1994 World Cup. And I really think that a 2026 World Cup um, in, uh, in the U.S., Mexico, and Canada would be the next biggest thing for, for the next generation or the next kind of chapter of, of soccer in the United States. It would really kind of help take things off. In 94, I think there were still a lot of people that were soccer haters or just didn't really watch the game or understand the game. We're at a level now where, I mean, for the most part, most mainstream people are aware of it. Uh, we'll probably tune in now and again during a World Cup if the U.S. is playing. But for the most part, I mean, in terms of the level of soccer at this this level, we wouldn't be at this level if, if we didn't have the 94 World Cup. So the 2026 World Cup is, is crucial to the growth of this the game in, in this country. Um, in, in terms of uh, infrastructure and transportation and spending, those things, I, I think for the most part, especially in the United States, um, we're already day one. Um, yes, there's going to be expenses involved in, in, with uh, with a major competition like this, but um, I don't think it would have the impact that, that it would have on, on other countries. Yeah, that, that's probably true, but I, I would disagree. I just don't I don't want to see money siphoned out of public services to give tax breaks to build stadiums or build roads or whatever. So um, we'll see. This this is to, to be continued. But, yeah, I can't disagree with your assessment on what it would do for the sport. I just don't know if it's overall taking the macro perspective as an American in the public good to have this or the Olympics. Again, there's talk of the Olympics being in L.A. or Boston or someplace again. Uh, I don't think that that's necessarily a good thing for that, that those communities anymore. But um, anyway, moving on. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, several of the international de- deals for Major League Soccer TV rights are set to expire soon. And, and Kartik, you talked about this a few podcasts ago where some of your sources were revealing um, that a lot of these rights deals were, were coming up for uh, bidding. So I've learned uh, that MLS is in the process of getting these renewed and that one deal has uh, closed, which is in a, an increased amount uh, from the same deal previously. So that's good news for Major League Soccer. And more details will be released in the, in, uh, the next few weeks as more of these deals close around the world. So some positive news there. The challenge I, I've always had with Major League Soccer is that they've never really spoken much about the, the international um, rights or the international distribution other than just mentioning that Major League Soccer is now available in I don't know, over 100 countries. Um, I'd like to find out more details about that. So uh, we, we continue to kind of ask Major League Soccer to see if, uh, if we can get an interview or learn more about this. So hopefully we will um, in the near future. Yeah, so this next item is really interesting to me because uh, ESPN and, and News Corp, uh, 21st Century Fox, have been for have essentially ganged up on Comcast uh, these last few years in the U.S. market. Now, Comcast has made a, a stunning $31 billion uh, bid, estimated $31 billion bid for Scott, uh, and moving into the British market potentially with a big bang. Maybe this confirms why, uh, even though uh, ostensibly Disney and, and Fox were rivals, that they uh, they teamed up and saw each other as kind of lesser evils than Comcast. Uh, this is pretty big news. Watch this space. Yeah, thirty-one billion. I mean, that's just an incredible amount uh, for Sky. That's just amazing. But so, yeah, we're in the middle of a bidding war there. Now, we finally got confirmation that the Eredivisie, the Dutch league, is back in the United States through a streaming platform called Oz.com. And we've discussed this in uh, previous episodes, I think in the Listener Mailbag, where we weren't sure whether or not it was legal or not. Well, we found out that it is actually a legal site. It's based in Iceland. Um, and and in, in addition to the Eredivisie um, select games that they have, they also are streaming the A-League from Australia. So for if you're in the U.S. and you, you like Dutch football and Australian football, um, there is now an, out, uh, an outlet um, via Oz.com. UEFA has announced big changes for the 2018-19 Champions League season. For TV viewers, the biggest changes are staggered start times in the group stage. Uh, so instead of all the Champions League kickoffs being at uh, 2.45 Eastern time, 7.45 uh, British Standard time, they'll kick off at 12.55 uh, p.m. Eastern and 3 p.m. Eastern, which uh, uh, allows uh, 
uh, multiple windows for True TV in the U.S. will be the uh, the carrier of most of those games. Uh, also, the top four teams in England, Germany, Spain, and Italy will avoid qualifying and will go directly to the group stage of the competition. That had been previously reported. That has now been confirmed. Yeah, it'll be interesting though, too, Kartik. I mean, like in a Fox world, I could imagine this doing really well if if Fox still had the Champions League rights next season, where you'd have uh, two games back to back on FS1 and then two games back to back on FS2, as well as I mean, for the group stage, maybe Fox Soccer Plus and then sub license to ESPN. But the reality is, is that Turner Sports is going to have these rights for next season. And uh, from what the initial, well, I think what we initially learned is that. Uh, uh, Tuna Sports probably through whether it's TNT or uh, True TV would have one one game a day on television and the rest would be streamed. So um, we'll have to wait and see what Turner announces um, more details about this and how they'll how many of the games will actually will be on television and how many will be streamed. But this is an ideal television stream uh, television. Uh, distribution of of the Champions League and having it streaming setting up this way mostly streaming is not going to be as uh, as pleasurable for a soccer fan I want to watch back-to-back games on television but is one of the games going to be on television but then the next is going to be on streaming or, or vice versa um, we'll have to wait and see what happens with that with, with Turner I'm sure we'll hear more uh, as we get closer to the end of the season and Turner announces more details now, Fanatis uh, is a new streaming service uh, and available in the United States. And they've announced that they've acquired the U.S. streaming rights to Copa Libertadores and Copa Sudamericana games. Uh, they're the only streaming provider that has access to all of the live games. And Fox Soccer Match Pass has rights to most of those games. But uh, there's 40 games specifically that uh, Fanatis uh, has the rights to that Fox Soccer Match Pass does not. So if you want to have access to all of the games, uh, Copa Libertadores and Copa Sudamericana, uh, Fanatis is the way to go. This week, Sports TV Ratings, uh, which does this every month, lists the number of subscribers uh, uh, for each cable channel, uh, it had some alarming news regarding Fox Sports 2, which is that they lost half a million subscribers in the first quarter of 2018. Now, if you remember, they had the biggest jump in the final quarter of 2017 because they got picked up by some additional cable systems. Uh, FS2 is now at 58.5 million subscribers, uh, which is uh, a number which is far less than what Fox would like it to be in and, and far less than FS1. At a uh, technology conference this week in Spain, La Liga discussed uh, how many advances they've made in pr- improving the technology used at La Liga games. For example, La Liga last year installed something called True View multi-view cameras, which allow for TV replays to be viewed from any position uh, or angle at uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid stadiums. Now, for any of the listeners that have watched La Liga, whether it's last season or this season, for m- many of the big games is that uh, during the match, I mean, just within, within usually within seconds or a minute, you're getting these really interesting 3D uh, angles or replays showing, say, uh, um, uh, whether it's Messi or Ronaldo or whoever, maybe uh, what's how they see things. Or sometimes from the referee's point of view, what does the referee see? Uh, is, is his view blocked? And it's uh, a 360 view. So this technology, I mean, La Liga is definitely advancing with this, uh, more so than the Premier League in many ways. Um, so if you've been watching this, um, La Liga has continued to push the envelope to improve the technology which is improving the, the television experience too. So, so hats off uh, to them. A recent study found that the average monthly household spend on streaming video services rose about 5% in 2017 uh, to $9.46 per household, and that the average household is paying for 1.39 uh, streaming services. Uh, this includes people who aren't cord cutters. I, I'm not a cord cutter, and I have... Uh, oh, jeez, I, I think I subscribe to four or five streaming services. Yeah, it's funny too, Kartik, because like this, this, these stats or this study shows uh, you know nine dollars and forty five cents uh, average spend for streaming services. To me, it sounds like the the Netflix effect is that yeah. I mean, the average yeah. number of yeah. streaming services one point three nine. So it's Netflix and and some other some other service. But um, yeah, and like as we talked about last week's episode, I think Sling TV is over two million subscribers. 
uh, I think PlayStation views under 600,000 subscribers and uh, DirecTV now is over a million. So some big numbers for some of these um, larger streaming providers, but uh, still a ways to go. Icotex, there's a lot of news there we, we went through, but uh, let's move on to TV ratings. And um, some big numbers out this week. Um, the biggest number, well, it's not, it wasn't the biggest number, but the, the, the one that was the, to me at least, the su most su surprising number was the, the viewing number for the League Cup final, which was really not promoted at, at all by ESPN, but that one had uh, 789,000 viewers that watched this game on ESPN and ESPN Deportes combined. Yeah, it was actually, to me, a little bit of a stunning number, uh, given that there was no promotion, there was no buildup for the tournament, they were busy promoting MLS all week, and the, the, this number was posted. Now, will this number be higher than the MLS opening day on ESPN? And, and uh, I, I'm not sure it will be. I think the LAFC Seattle game has the prospect for a big number, uh, which will then probably drop off in week two for MLS. But uh, it, it's a it's a strong statement uh, about maybe the viability of the League Cup. Now, the problem is the League Cup, Chris, is a weekday property, right? Mm -hmm. So the only time you can get this kind of number from a League Cup match is on the weekends, which is going back to one of our news items before. Part of, I think, the hesitation of moving an FA Cup match day to a weekday to, to provide for winter break is because that's a weekend cup the league cup was a league it was a cup introduced once floodlights came became common in english stadiums in in the 1960s and and you could have midweek matches so uh i don't know if it means they'll just they'll automatically put the final on television from here on out but not put the rest of the competition on if it means increased commitment does it mean espn might bid for more rights maybe it gets them interested in the fa cup we talked about that last week mm -hmm. uh, that because that is a weekend competition that would actually fit their their model a little more um probably a little better so and get get them better numbers a lot of questions to come out of this uh, all po potentially positive questions but worth asking yeah, according to one of my sources, uh, ESPN is definitely interested in the FA Cup and Serie A. And uh, we talked a little bit, we actually teased it in last week's episode, but um, we had an article on the homepage, which is still there, at uh, worldsoccertalk.com that talks about uh, that, that the FA Cup rights and the uh, Serie A rights might go to streaming only um, starting next season instead of uh, television, or maybe a combination of the two. The, the, the thing is, though, too, Kartik, is that... Um, for the League Cup, it's very possible that this is going to be part of the ESPN Plus package for next season. Uh, so it's going to be streaming. And, and again, maybe it's the final that will be on television. But uh, but if I'm a bean counter at ESPN and I, I look at the numbers and go, OK, how much did we pay for the uh, the rights to the League Cup? Which I'm sure wasn't that much. Now, how much are we paying for Major League Soccer? And how much uh, advertising and promos and all the the energy expenditures we're putting on promoting Major League Soccer. And, okay, we didn't promote this League Cup at all and uh, the League Cup final at all. And look at the, the, the viewing numbers and looking what, at what we can go back to our advertisers and say, hey, hey, this is, uh, you mean, the number of views that you this game watched and that the people saw your ads. Um, to me, I, I'm looking at this thinking, okay, well, yeah, the League Cup's probably an undervalued property in many ways. And um, so, so hats off to ESPN for acquiring the rights to the League Cup and to uh, the championship. And I can see the championship, too, not getting numbers like this by any, any means, but uh, is under-promoted, undervalued league. And as we get into the playoff stages um, in the championship at the end of the season, hopefully some of these games will be on ESPN, too, or, or maybe at the final on uh, championship final on ESPN. That, that'd be incredible. Some of the other numbers contact from this past uh, week, we had uh, 904,000 people watch the Watford-Everton game on NBC. Uh, the Man United against Chelsea game, which was a uh, 9.05 Eastern time kickoff on Sunday, had uh, 689,000 viewers. And uh, that, that's about it. We'll, we'll have all of the numbers at worldsoccertalk.com in the coming days. Now, moving on to listener mailbag, we've just got uh, one message this week. And this is from uh, Matt Haas. 
and he sent us a tweet. He says that, um, just letting you guys know that uh, Spectrum has just moved both the English and Spanish language, uh, be in sports and be in sports and Espanol channels to, to a Latino package. It used to be on the triple play silver package. Customers were not informed of the change. Channels simply disappeared. Uh, he had a call to find out, and he says the Spectrum website still has been listed in the triple play package. Oh, boy, that's not good. And and uh, this is the sort of thing we're used to seeing happen to us. This is what happened to Gold TV on a lot of systems even before BN appeared was that they were moved from a triple play type uh, sports package. Triple play is what Spectrum brands it as to a Latino package. Uh, that's uh, and then you end up having to pay for an additional tier of channels just to get uh, your soccer matches and this this also i have to say encourages cord cutting among soccer fans mm-hmm. uh not not good news so thank you for that matt for yeah letting us know about yeah the, the the challenge is for being sports is that the the viewing numbers on being sports in espanol are huge compared to the being sports yeah. english channel yeah. so the english channel aren't as many viewers i mean by by any means even for the barcelona real madrid games uh, a lot of those games will get say about a hundred thousand viewers on uh, being sports the english channel and we'll get three hundred to 400,000 on the, the Spanish channel. So from Spectrum's point of view, I can see it looking at this and going, okay, well, this is really more of a Latino uh, package. This, this move into the Lat- Latino um, uh, you mean package. So I can see where they're coming from, but it, ultimately it hurts being sports. And, th- and that's why over the last two years, we've seen being sports make a, a big move into covering college uh, football, uh, motocross, you mean uh, tennis, uh, all these other sports to try to make it more and try to see if they can in- uh, uh, increase their distribution okay. by showing it, uh, pushing it as a, not just a soccer package or a soccer streaming network, but as a sports network. That makes a lot of sense. That may, may explain why you've seen seen these pushes into other sports. And unfortunately, it really hasn't worked for them. We'll, we'll see what the future of uh, being sport in English is in the U.S. market in the next few years. I think there are a lot of questions there, unfortunately. Yeah, definitely. So if you have any questions for us or any feedback or uh, anything you disagree with us about or, or agree with us about, uh, send us an email at web at worldsoccertalk.com. You can tweet us at worldsoccertalk.com. Or you can message us on Facebook at facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk. Now, Kartik, uh, where can listeners find you on the internet if you want to catch up on your latest uh, uh, rantings and ravings about our soccer hashtag and, 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 and other things? Yeah, KKFLA737 is the, is the best place to find me. And uh, obviously on the web at worldsoccertalk.com. Uh, also, sportbusiness.com uh, is my is a new place I'm, I'm working as well. And yeah, thank you for that. And uh, that's uh, now my kind of my sort of my day job as well as uh, pumping out articles for them. There's a lot of analysis and a consultancy side of that, Chris. So it's not just uh, it's not just what you see on the sport business website, but there's a lot of consultancy services associated with it. Interesting. All right. Well, thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, AudioBoom, and WorldSoccerTalk.com. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review. And Kartik, what should they do this weekend? Enjoy your football. 